With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom by simply visiting www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate to make a difference today. It was edifying and gratifying a few days ago to be directed to the following on stuffed.anti.nz. I say directed to because one would never go there and thus soil oneself of one's own volition, now would one. Quoting, a new political poll conducted by Courier Market Research shows a big boost for ACT as they return to double-digit support. Compared with the last Courier poll, also commissioned by the New Zealand Taxpayers Union in November 2023, ACT has jumped up 5.6 points to 13.7%. National was up 2.6 points to 39.6, while Labour had dropped 0.4 points to 27.9, according to the poll. New Zealand First has dropped 1.5% to and the Green Party has dropped 4.8 points to 9%. Interjecting here, whoa, the Greens, the Red Greens down 5 points. Could it be that the electorate is unimpressed by sanctimonious, whining, entitled Islamist politicians with vocal fry? who shop without money. Continuing, Te Pāti Māori has dropped 1.1 points to 2.3. Interjecting again, Te Pāti Māori are the best argument for the abolition of the Māori seats one could muster. I have taken to watching Parliament again since the election. It was unendurable prior and have formed the impression that Te Pāti Māori MPs are reimagining themselves as a museum. I suppose there are those who would say a museum within a zoo. People might think that. I couldn't possibly comment. Continuing, Christopher Luxon dropped four points on November to 29% in the preferred Prime Minister stakes. Chris Hipkins was up one to 19%. David Seymour increased six points to 10%, while Winston Peters was up one point on 6%. Chloe Swarbrick was also on 6%, unchanged from November. Interjecting, 6% want that to be Prime Minister? Who could possibly want that? Screeching generation zombie bimbos like the ones who threw soup at the Mona Lisa for the sake of the planet, no doubt, calling for the right to healthy and sustainable food. Digressing now, they were demanding food vouchers for the purchase of lettuce and lentils, which of course cause cancer, uh, not to mention the most planet-threatening farts imaginable. Vegan farts are an existential threat to all animate and inanimate matter. Green salads are as lethal as Chloe's word salads. Healthy and sustainable food, huh? Steak, eggs, and red wine. Here I am qualified to comment. Some years ago, I was diagnosed as pre-diabetic with an HbA1c of 43. 
Over 50 is full-blown diabetes, under 40, and you're in the clear. I was 43, pre-diabetes. To my doctor's horror, I went on something akin to the Atkins diet, steak, eggs, and red wine. Not that the red wine was a departure for me. A few short weeks later, I was tested again. Lo and behold, 37 in the clear. I was also several kilograms lighter. My doctor was choking on his lettuce in astonishment. But I do digress. The poll. Notice how casually Seymour's dramatic rise in the preferred prime minister stakes is recorded, then glided on by. It should have been the headline. If it were Chloe Swarbrick, it would have been. The stuffed Bride and paid for wokesters must have been choking on their lettuce, even to mention Seymour's stunning surge, let alone acknowledge the likely reason for it, which they didn't. His standing resolute on his treaty principles bill, while lily-livid Luxon waffled and caved. Luxon down four, Seymour up six. Voters were responding to a politician who, while not being noted for backbone, was finally showing some. The bribed mainstream media, of course, are choking on their broccoli over this bill, even before it's drafted. They have shamelessly thrown out all distinction between asking a question and making a speech, between playing devil's advocate and brazenly pushing one's own partisan agenda, between speech and squawking, between listening then probing, and interrupting then preaching, between interviewing and debating, debating pitifully at that. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Settlers, settlers had nothing. Settlers had nothing. This was a, uh, this was an arrangement, a treaty, uh, a property. Um, contract, if you like, between the Crown on behalf of settlers and rangatira Māori. So to then assume that settlers, the ones that arrived on a plane not that long ago, have rangatira tanga, just, it just doesn't work when you read the words of the treaty. Well, first of all, what certainly wasn't a property contract, that, that's for sure. It was a political uh, com compact. It, the um, Article 2 is a contract about property and rights it, and well, fisheries well, yes, it was a, it was and land and rivers. It was a political compact that, among other things, uh, said that your property rights would be upheld. That's totally different from a property contract. I think we've just got to be clear on these things. Um, but on the other hand, you know, here's my question. If you believe that the treaty in Article 2 did not extend te rauranga te rautanga to all people who live in these lands, then you've got to explain how you're going to have a functioning state with a different political status for different people. And I don't think there's a good example of that. There's lots of disastrous examples, but I don't think there's a good example of that anywhere in the world. I think a much more practical reading there are of the treaties treaty all and over a legitimate the world. reading. There are treaties all over the world where one country gets some set of rules and then another country get another set of rules. They're just different privileges and they've been signed up in a treaty. So there's, abso will, there's, abso I mean, there's the, absolutely... Uh, um, not, not, with, not within a nation state. You're, you're being highly misleading. So, Give me an example. Uh, rang, well, 
It's a treaty, so it's a group. No, no, so no, there's two partners in the treaty. One's the Crown, right, yeah, and the well, other the, one, Arangatira. So there, there's nowhere else in the world where a society functions successfully having two standards of citizenship. You go to Malaysia, you go to South Africa, you ask people who have tried this. In a nation state, you have citizenship, you have a set of rights as a citizen. I call them human rights, and they have to be equal for all people by virtue of being human. They're not two standards of citizenship. It's just, um, it's just Māori get to retain the contract that they signed with the Crown at the time. So, you know, you keep talking about two races, but it's actually the Crown and Ngārangatira Māori, and it's not. It's as Annette Sykes says, isn't it? That she said it's different, so different rights rather than special oh, rights. Oh, different rights. Okay, uh, I, that, that's a nonsense. Uh, you either have the same rights or you don't. Bravo. David deserves to go up six points for that. Still, I'm not a fan of Seymour. If he renounces his Wuhan treason, I might become one, but I doubt that Pfizer and China would allow it. It should occur to him, though, that but for this treason, ACT would have scored in double digits in the election itself, and Winston would not have come into contention. It should occur to Seymour that continuing to build the beginnings of a backbone might yield even richer electoral rewards. There's an appetite for someone who has the courage of his convictions and has convictions to have the courage of. Seymour should contemplate a close the communist Chinese embassy bill or a leave the United Nations bill or a declaration of independence from the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization bill, or a repudiation of the asinine carbon zero policy bill, or a there are only two genders bill, or a, oh dear, what am I thinking? What am I thinking? I don't know what has come over me. Nurse, nurse, quickly, the pill, please. The, the orange one. You're so disgraceful. It's so disgraceful the way you say that. Let, let me just, listen, I just went over it. I just went over it. Nobody thought we should do it. And when I did it. But what did you do with the time that you bought? You know the we month did? of February. That, you know that video we did? was a gap. What do you do? What do you do when you have no case in the whole United States? You had cases when in you, you excuse me, you reported it. Zero cases, zero deaths on January seventeenth. January, February, the entire January. I said in January. Video has a complete gap. On, on January thirty. What did your administration do in February for the time that your travel ban bought? A lot. What? A lot. And in fact, we'll give you a list. What we did, in fact, part of it was up there. It we did a lot. Look, look. You know you're a fake. You know that your whole network, the way you cover it, is fake. And most of you, and not all of you, but the people are wise to you. That's why you have a lower, a lower approval rating than you've ever had before, times probably three. Of course, the self-same fake media and their screeching, squawking, quacking, vocal-frying grotesqueries who denounced Orange Man Bad's China travel ban as racist. When it became apparent how sensible it was, denounced him for not introducing it sooner. New Zealand's mainstream Marxist media are proudly, openly banning any views that dissent from their own bought and paid for climate hysteria. And so it goes. Media have been the last bastion of freedom to fall in Antonio Gramsci's 
long march through the culture, begun a century ago. Seymour's actually onto it, though you'd never know. Mark Levin and Ted Cruz are onto it, and they oppose it openly. So let's talk about what we were talking about, this guy Gramsci and and uh, top down, not yep. bottom up, and middle out, as Biden likes to talk about. We see this all around us right now, don't we? Well, what the Marxists referred to this as is the long, slow march through institutions. And you have an entire chapter on that. That's exactly right, on how they captured them. And so I start with universities, I then go to K through 12, I then have a chapter on journalism, and they've utterly captured the corporate media. I have a chapter on big business, I have a chapter on big tech, I have a chapter on government. Uh, I have a chapter on entertainment, Hollywood, movies, TVs, music, video games, sports. I have a chapter on science, which has been utterly politicized. And then the final chapter is on China, which is a nexus that interconnects it all. Ladies and gentlemen, the rise in our coalition's popularity, the revolts in Argentina and the Netherlands, the stirrings across Europe, the resurgence of MAGA in America, suggest that the long march may yet be reversed. Civilization is fighting back against barbarism. I close, as is my custom, by repairing to that civilization at its best. Humanity as it might be, ought to be, and often is. Some shape of beauty that moves away the pall from our dark spirits, as the dead white male Keats might say. Legendary conductor Seiji Ozawa has just passed away. I cannot think of a more fitting antidote to soup throwers, mainstream media Marxists, shoppers without money, fry-quacking bimbos, brown supremacists, the Chinese Communist Party, and woke fascists in general than Ozawa the Boston Symphony, and another estimable dead white male, Beethoven.
RCR, we're on a mission to revive honest media, to report on critical censored stories, and to hold those in positions of power to account. But to make this happen, RCR needs to grow, and grow fast. For that, we need your support. Our Foundation Members Club is now open. Join us today and play your part in bringing back media you can trust. Learn more at www.realitycheck.radio forward slash members and see how you can join the mission that's making a difference.